Good evening. I am coming back on and hopefully I will have a call in guest. Uh, tonight is unscripted. No material to read. Just going to go unscripted. Very organic talking sports. Uh, you know, looking at the fact that like this surge in coronavirus cases is spiking back up kind of has the sports world probably on edge. Uh, I know there are some in Big 12, uh, Athletic director at K State has jumped on the Bob Bowlesby bandwagon of thinking that all games might not be played. So hopefully we'll get a different perspective from my guest calls in. Uh, and when he calls in, we will let him tell you his credentials. Uh, He's a friend of mine's. Uh, he works in radio. Uh, his name is Sam Speck, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Because I'm going to pretty much let him introduce himself when he calls in. But uh, one of the things we'd like to know is what are your thoughts after you hear this podcast? Leave a message, leave a comment. Tell me what you think about. Should there be fans in the stands? Should there not be fans in the stands? Hello. Hey, there he is. What's going on? My man, H-Train. And this is my man, Sam. Those of you who will get a chance to listen to this podcast, this is my good friend, my radio cohort, Sam Speck. He has a show on from 5 to 6 in the evening called The Press Box. We're still pushing to get that extra hour. So I'm going to decrease and I'm going to let Sam Speck tell y'all who he is, what it is he does. Sam, the floor is yours. Well, hey, Frank, thank you so much for looking to keep a little bit on, and I, I am hoping for that for this, uh, this podcast to start off, uh, start off firing, man. I think it's important. Again, I appreciate you letting me slide in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I I do uh, host the press live at 5 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday over on uh, KGSO, which, of course, my main man, a train all over KGSO. Um, yeah, this is show from 5 to 6 p.m. Like we had mentioned, it's a, it's a time slot that we like to really realistically go from 4 to 6 p.m. I would love to have it that way. I'm going to look to give the opportunity to maybe line up some more guests, have some more in-depth interviews, but, you know, we got to jam-pack the hour um, with, with events. So, uh, with COVID, with kind of all of the cutbacks and things, yep, we are just going from 5 to 6 p.m., but uh, over at KGSO, we stand for me doing uh, 
Yeah. And also on Tuesday night, Paint Train, we got baseball, my man, and doing some flower Junior games is, uh, is very cool. So you don't want to miss out on those either Tuesday nights, a uh, little play by play baseball. You gotta love it. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. I said I didn't have anything in particular, but what is going on out there? Because we know this is at Tyler Field, a.k.a. X Stadium, as a lot of people have known it. And if anyone has ever been out there, you notice all the accolades posted around the stadium, the championship banners from Missouri Valley Conference days. That's telling my age there. Uh, But what kind of baseball action can we expect to see because, if I'm correct, this is the Sunflower League. So what can we expect to see talent-wise out there on the field? You're correct. It's the Sunflower Collegiate League. It's something that happens year in and year out. However, what does not happen year in and year out, obviously, is the World Cup of Worldwide. However, what I'm more pointing to is the fact that there is a handful of Division One baseball players that got their season robbed this year. They're not able to Bad tournament. It's, it's a basically, you know, it's a wood bat league, I guess I should say, for, for a short stint there during the summertime. But um, as I was mentioning, due to the fact that a lot of these players got their seasons robbed, they aren't being able to maybe finish their juniors years, or even they're maybe trying to prove themselves to get into high school. It's a great little level and a, and a, and a melting pot of competition, but it's already good competition without the motivation to get back onto the field. And now the fact that we do have players. Five bucks. You know, I go around town doing my little gigs on the side outside of my regular job. And they have these little $5 deals where you can get, like, burger, fries, and this. But you can't get no better bang for your buck for five bucks than taking a double hitter at X Stadium. Now, let me ask you this question. Because uh, I know there's been some friendly trash talk on Twitter amongst Wichita State baseball players. So my first question is this. At the time when the season was halted due to COVID-19, what type of team do you think Wichita State would have had had the season went on? And what players on these teams can we look for? in a, in a almost dominant-looking fashion before this 
this happened. So there was a handful of players on the team. I think the pitching staff was one of the more highlights of this Wichita State team. And then you look at uh, just scattered around the NCL right now are big boys. They are full Division One lead hitters. They are big kids. I love to see them with a wood bat in their hands. But Wichita State, they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of size. And again, I was very impressed with their pitching rotation. And uh, and what a what a sad sign it was for some of the love we've seen. Um, you know, I, I think this may have been a team to at least get a berth within the regional. Who knows how far they go? But um, you know, I thought regionals wasn't out of the question for regional. Right. One of the things I right. One of the things I noticed about this team, like you say, they when the season when they season was basically robbed, they were on a double digit winning streak. And I think they were a team that was getting their national mojo back. So I have to say credit to good coaching, good coaching staff, and the fact that the players bought into what the coach was bringing to the table. Like, if you do it this way, kind of like if you've seen the movie Coach Carter, it says, today we will act like winners, think like winners, and if Basically, if you buy in what I'm saying, you will be winners. And I think they got that, as I, if I can reference it, that Coach Carter mentality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and one thing that I, I, you know, I'm learning too, and and Wichita State, unfortunately, somewhat overlooked in terms of Division One universities here in Kansas. Of course, they got KU, K State, but the facilities over there are fantastic. It's right. A beautiful baseball field. I would love to, <laughs> as a player. At one point, of course, never really got to go and play in college. But what a what a fantastic way to play students. Um, they, they, they get spoiled over there, and I'll tell you what, Wichita State knows how to uh, to pull together some good players. Basketball wise, we've obviously seen what Coach Marshall's been able to do in the last decade. Baseball wise, yes. it's the same story. It starts from the top. The coaching is a is a, you know a pinnacle of Wichita State University, and you're really starting to see it trickle down in the last ten twenty years. Right, and that's the one thing. Since we don't have all these other sports, uh, guess we may as well say it ain't no, ain't no secret. We don't have football. We need to have baseball top notch. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna bring you back in time when basketball kind of went a little bit south, so to speak. Yeah. When Mark Turgeon came in, and baseball program was at some heights, not the heights we were at, at used to, but they were at some heights where the name was still out there. Mark Turgeon was hired in, and he said, I know baseball has been king right here, but now basketball is going to be the new king right here. And Mark Turgeon put his stamp on it. Greg Marshall came in to the baton, and now we know we have this monster-created college WSU basketball. But now I think it's safe to say that with the coaching regime we have now, I think you could say baseball is going to be a success. Well, and I think in, in their favor as well, you kind of look at what the city of Wichita has been, uh, and I excuse the noise behind me here, but uh, they, you got to see what Wichita has been doing in terms of it, with their, you know, economic development around here. we got a brand new, beautiful riverfront stadium. You can kind of see that the, the vibe here in Wichita has always been baseball. It's kind of always been there, and now we're seeing some talent at the university level. You'd love to see some success from the Windsors as well. Friends University, they've got a nice little ball club as well. Uh, I'll tell you what, I feel like baseball has always kind of been here. We're, we, we've just been waiting on it, and now that it's on a silver platter for us, you're right. I, I don't know if, if, if popularity-wise it'll go straight to baseball, because 
tell you what, the game of the week, a trainer, you can attest to this, is when the Shockers basketball is in town. That's when everybody gets excited. So I don't know if they'll, they'll take over that spot, but, yeah, we're, we're spoiled here for baseball, and I think this town has been begging for it. And uh, you don't want to miss it because, obviously, the Shockers got robbed, but there is a, a handful of them playing for that Sunflower League this year. Right, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let you go and uh, get some final thoughts from you. But getting, uh, for one, uh, Mike Pelfrey is their pitching coach. And how ironic is it that a position coach has a has a spot on the field named after him? How how often do you see that? And then, uh, you know, uh, he, he names talked around as, as much, but yeah, I, I love the, the appreciation. Really, I mean, it's as simple as that. And to be honest, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of nice to see, but it's, it's but it, you're right. It's it's uh, you know, how many times do you? And I don't know, but always, uh, again, the appreciation, the community effort that it was, wherever you stand about that new stadium, whichever. But, you know, I just, uh, I think it's pretty neat as a baseball fan. But, of course, that's just me speaking as a spoiled uh, sports consumer. So. Right. All right. Before I let you go, since Major League Baseball is starting, and we know it's a concrete deal now, we don't have to say, I'll believe it when I see a pitcher puts on uniforms with those. Everybody right now has the Dodgers and the Yankees penciled in in the World Series. You got to give me a team. I know you're a baseball guy, and I know you are a Yankee guy, too, if I'm correct. And, and, and right, and the ongoing joke has been this. How did we get a ag guy to do sports? But now you correct me on that. How did they get a sports guy to do agriculture? My thing is, who is your pick for the World Series? Because this is a 60-game season. And let's say, for instance, team up the road, known as the Kansas City Royals, they decide we're going to start off on a 20-game winning streak. That could put everything in a frenzy automatically out the gate. So it's like basically every game is going to count in baseball. So who is your pick? you got to pick one team. Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a pretty good discussion about this today on the show as well. And, and long story short, I'll, I'll, I'll round about to it. I do think that the Dodgers are poised for me to get the win this year. However, um, you look at the American League, you had mentioned, yeah, they've kind of penciled in the Yankees. And as a diehard Yankee fan, hey, I appreciate the support, but he also can't overlook the fact that their number one pitcher in Luis Severino still has to undergo Tommy John surgery. They still have to gel with a new proposed number one pitcher in Garrett Cole. How he's going to perform, I don't know. And, and you're damn right. In, in the American League, we've seen the last few years, and here's my surprise figure for you, A-Train, before I get to get out of here. Okay. In the American League, the last Four or five years, the Minnesota Twins have absolutely dominated the first half of the season. It's tricked by some sort of injury, and for the last decade, basically every time they reach the divisional series, they have to play the New York Yankees and they get beat. That's something I don't see happening this year. The Minnesota Twins, my surprise team, and the Dodgers overall, I think they, I do think they get the win. They, they, they're just damn good. Well, all right then. There you have it. He has his picks. He said even the surprise team, the Minnesota Twins. Never thought I'd hear that coming from a Yankee fan. But I want to thank Sam Speck for joining me on this first segment. And guess what? Sam Speck is the inaugural, my first guest on my podcast on Talking Sports with A-Train. Sam, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the rest of your evening. A-Train, my man. Thank you so much. Have a good night, brother. All right. That was Sam Speck, y'all.
um, you know, taking a stand on racial justice, injustice and all that. Um, I was curious, just, just wondering, would you consider taking a knee alongside of them, those guys, um, for the national anthem? Is that something you've thought about? Just wondering, just kind of throwing that out because you've been so supportive in, in, in that. Just kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I would consider, first of all, I would consider anything. Um, you know what I mean? As, as we move forward, I think, um, uh, hey, I'm, you know, supportive uh, of, of the cause. I'm supportive of the movement. I'm supportive of social justice. Um, uh, you know, I think for me, like, I think every, every person, whether coach, player, everyone, that'll be a very personal decision for each person. Um, I think it has to be made at the right time for the right reasons for everybody. And, uh, so I'll support my players with whatever they do. And then you know, when the time comes, I'll, uh, I'll really, you know, think you know, deeply about, Hey, what, what's the best thing for me? What's the best way that I can show my support, but make no mistake. I'm definitely supportive. And, um, you know, I think a lot of this, you know, has come from the players. So I'll, I'll sort of, uh, wait, and sort of see, you know, what direction they're leaning. And then, um, then, you know, I like everyone else kind of make my decisions. And those comments were from new Carolina Panthers head coach, Matt Rule, who says he's considering kneeling during the anthem. Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule said he's considering kneeling along his players during the national anthem this season in support of the movement against racial injustice. He says, I would consider anything as we move forward, Rule said. Thursday on a video conference call. I'm supportive of the cause. I'm supportive of the movement. I'm supportive of social justice. I think for every person, coach or player, that will be a very personal decision. I think it has to be made at the right time and the right reason for everybody. First year coach hired from Baylor previously has told his players that he will support them for expressing their views about social injustice. I will support my players with whatever they do. And then when the time comes, I will really think deeply about what is best, what is the best thing for me and what is the best way I can show my support, Rule said. In 2016, then San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick began kneeling during the national anthem to protest racial injustice. His teammate, Eric Reed kneeled alongside him and later played for the Panthers. Both players reached NFL settlements with the NFL after filing grievances, alleging owners concluded to keep them out of the league. Houston Texans coach Bill O'Brien previously has said he will take a knee alongside his players during the National Anthem. Rule, who, like O'Brien, is white, said he will confer with his players before making any decision about whether to kneel. I think a lot of this has come from the players, so I will wait to see what direction they're leaning, and then I will make my decision, Rule said. So there you have it. Matt Rule, first-year coach, hasn't even coached the game, has decided that he will consider taking a knee during the national anthem. And we know that is a hot-button topic. I have even talked to several different people in different branches of the military. Some have said it's not a disrespect to the flag. Some have said it is a disrespect to the flag. Some have said they choose not to comment on the situation. 
and from all three our respective statements. And when I say from all three, I've talked to more than three people, but those were the three responses that I have received. So it's a controversial topic. It's a hot button topic. Some see it as a disrespect to the flag. Some see it as not disrespect. Some see it as your right. Some see it as a peace, as what it is, a peaceful protest. Granted, it brings light to what is going on in this country, which is a lot of racial injustice. But one thing I will go on record and say is this right here. Yes, I believe in the movement. That's my personal opinion. I believe in the movement. But at the same time, in order to heal, you have to start from within. I've always said that too. I know this is not sports related, but this is my platform and I'm going to use my platform and I'm going to talk to my people in a way that they can understand. Yes, there needs to be an end to police brutality. Even sports stars have had to deal with racial profiling. But at the end of the day, for a cause to matter, it has to matter more to you. When I come back, I will have some more sports news. So stay tuned. Talking sports with the Adrian. The NFL is planning to play its season in 2020. However, in order for that to happen, there are five big concerns for the 2020 NFL season. So there are some guiding principles for navigating COVID-19. The NFL has insisted since March that it would play its full 2020 season despite a coronavirus pandemic that froze sports around the world. For that to happen, the league must navigate an intrinsic labyrinth of policy changes. Medical interventions, business concessions, and philosophical shifts, some of which were inconceivable a few months ago and have created new doubts recently as cases have risen in parts of the country. Details of a plan have trickled out most recently in a 13-page joint memo with the NFL Players Association that laid out the conditions necessary to allow players back into team facilities. As with other sports, it divides team employees into tiers to educate access to the building and one another. NFL owners will meet Thursday via conference call to discuss the status of plans for training camp and beyond. The specifics could evolve over time, but the big picture will remain constant. With the help of an of an ethicist and an epidemiologist, we identified five guiding principles the NFL should follow as it prepares for the 2020 season. Establish the acceptable risk. Public discussion of playing amid a pandemic has focused more on process than on ethics. 
ignoring a morality rate, mortality rate that has estimated a 1.4%. By its nature, football might be the most difficult sport to implement mitigating policies, at least during games. Put bluntly, those who participate in on-field activities where masking won't often occur and physical distancing isn't possible will assume a new level of risk to their lives. Don Heider, Executive Director of Marcula Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University, said that the NFL owners should have an uncomfortable but necessary conversation about that risk. The return of football would undoubtedly boost the common good, but at what cost? They should think in advance about what the acceptable thresholds will be, Hyder said. Is the value that resuming football brings worth the risk? How many lives would you be willing to give up to have football games on Sunday? It's a tough question they should know the answer to before this starts. The people making those decisions have a serious financial stake in it. We all know that, but it becomes a very difficult question because the safety thing seems almost insurmountable to negate all risk. Indeed, the NFL has already conceded that some infections will occur. The challenge, according to NFL Chief Medical Officer Alan Seals, is to identify them as quickly as possible and prevent spread to any other participants. That approach will not only minimize spread to teammates, but also to family members and others at home. The basic conceit of football naturally leads players to take heavy risk on their short and long-term health. This risk here is different, and it extends to coaches, officials, medical providers, and other essential personnel. But we are already beginning to see the parameters of the discussion. The most visible example has been a handful of Tampa Bay Buccaneer players, including quarterback Tom Brady, who participated in a group workout this week despite a recent warning from the NFLPA to avoid them. Baltimore Ravens coach John Harbaugh, meanwhile, told reporters this week that he's not one personally to run scared from a virus or anything else. Harbaugh said that he will respect the protocols, but added, I'm not going to run cover, and I don't think the NFL is either. Washington Redskins defense coordinator Jack DeRio, who also played in the league for 11 years, tweeted, I think most players understand the risk of playing the game of football. The priority is not trying to be perfectly safe. If so, perhaps you should never drive your car. But the NFL also has two other ethical responsibilities, according to Zachary Bidey, an epidologist at Oxford College of Emory University. First, the league's testing regimen shouldn't leave other parts of the country short of supplies. But in a larger sense, Bindy said, the NFL's return can't threaten public health by being a source of spread. It's a key underlying factor in deciding how many fans to allow in games, if any at all, and deciding the extent to which on-field participants will be separated from society. At the moment, the NFL has not finalized any plans for potential admission of fans into games. No sport should be the source of a major outbreak or a contributor to it, Bindy said. There is another reason it's so important to have strict protocols, because the players get sick and then they go home 
and get their family sick and their kids go out and other and get other kids in school sick and that spreads it to other families, then that becomes a huge negative on public health. That's something they would have to be responsible for. So that's just one of the five concerns. If you come back and join me tomorrow, I will have some more of these concerns ready for you. But just that within itself. Basically what they're saying is, is the reward worth the risk? Or if the, or is the risk worth the reward, so to speak? I mean, it's documented that Tom Brady and a few of his Buccaneer teammates, they're out there flinging the ball around, having their own private sessions, even though it's been against that of the NFL and the NFLPA, but that's the risk they're willing to take. So, what are your thoughts on that? Is the risk worth the reward in the long run? When I come back, I'll have some more news for you. Okay, we're back, and I said I would have these other recommendations, these other for the NFL protocol, but here's one that I think I should leave with you. It says, determine where football and social distancing intersect. Football is played by large groups of men in close quarters with frequent shouting and heavy aerobic breathing all commonly accepted ways of spreading the coronavirus. The point of social distancing is to keep people away from the range of individual spread. Servicing those servicing those disparate natures is a central question of football during a pandemic. Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay is among many who wonder whether it's even possible. I mean, we're going to social distance, but we play football, McVay said during a conference call earlier this month. This is really hard for me to understand all this. I don't get it. I really don't. In a June 7th memo, the NFL and NFLPA asked teams to rearrange locker rooms, remove furniture, and otherwise develop protocols to ensure that players and coaches remain six feet away from one another whenever possible. They provided instructions on creating one-way traffic through team facilities, mandated individual appointments with trainers, limited weight room workouts to 15 or fewer players, asked for virtual meetings wherever possible, and limited in-person meetings to 20 people. Those practices likely will force teams to build temporary locker rooms, revamp their entire weekly schedule, and change basic conventions of NFL life. Then, of course, the distancing conceit would vanish for three hours on the field, as McVeigh noted. The NFL and NFLPA are working with manufacturers to develop a face shield that could help limit spread during a game, but such efforts are considered a supplementary tool. The most valuable intervention, Bainey said, is follow strict distancing protocols between games. The important thing for the NFL, Bainey said, is that you have to make a big upfront investment to make sure that there is a low chance 
that anyone who gets on the field is infected. That's the whole point of what we're trying to do. During the week, it has been done. And we will put a stop right there. Once again, uh, hopefully I put some topics out there that would uh, pique your interest to where once you hear this podcast, you can, one, leave a comment, share this. But before I go, I want to thank my good friend and radio cohort, uh, Sam Speck, for joining me at first segment. It was a blast to have him on. It's always good to have guests on. With that being said, I plan on having some more guests. I am working on some. I'm going to go ahead and even drop some names. I'm looking at Jeffrey Lutz. I'm also looking at Chris Allison coming up within the next week or so. So uh, stay tuned to this podcast because it's only going to get better. And you might just hear me rant on for 20, 25, 30 minutes. You will also hear other people. So I'm looking forward to some upcoming guests that I have coming on. So uh, once again, like this podcast, leave your comments, share it, and I look forward to building this up to something big, but it'll be with the help of you who listen. So I am out. Have a blessed evening.